Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. How are you all doing? You doing well? Isn't it special to share Christmas with one another physically together? I think the last few Christmases we had online, and even though it's a privilege to have that availability, nothing can compare with physical presence of the saints coming together and remembering and celebrating the birth of our Savior. Now, what I like to do often, I do Bible studies in the local and international, and what I like to do is I like to share the Scripture reading. I like to encourage the public Scripture reading, and today what better Scripture than the Nativity account? So, it will be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, even better, digital or physical, if you can turn to Luke chapter 2, please, we're going to be reading the first 20 verses. So I need three volunteers who would like to read this portion of Scripture aloud with the congregation. Joan, you're going to be reading from verse 1 to the end of 7. Megan, you're going to be reading from verse 8 till the end of 13. And Luke will round us out from 14 to 20. Thanks. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In these days, a decree was sent out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go, let's hurry and find this word, who is born in Bethlehem, and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they hurried off and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what, what had just happened. 
Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all thing, these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they have heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Thank you, Luke. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Joe and thank you to Megan. Thank you for, to Luke for volunteering and reading Scripture together. Isn't it wonderful to read Scripture together? A special portion, nonetheless, today of all days on Christmas Day. But I would like to read the last three verses from the English Standard Version again. Verse 18 to 20. It says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, in this nativity account, we would normally flash through these three verses towards the end. We would just rush past them and we wouldn't give them much prominence. We wouldn't, they wouldn't stand out from the selection that we just read. Maybe the angels singing. Maybe Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes in a feeding trough. Maybe, you know, the reaction that they, that they shared, seeing the angels and Jesus there. But today I want to rest on these seemingly unlikely verses. Just like Luke in his account rests on seemingly unsuspecting shepherds who were just around. They were nearby. And I want to focus on these verses today. These three verses, 18 to 20. Why? Well, these verses, I believe, they show us a series of responses that if we focus on them and unpack them together this morning, we will better understand, perceive, and amplify our own responses in finding and walking with Jesus. These responses are, the first, the wondering of those hearing the shepherds' eyewitness accounts. From verse 18 to 20, we know the shepherds, they tell, they're telling someone. They don't, Luke doesn't say who they are telling, but they are telling if it's Mary and Joseph, if it's more people around, they are sharing the wondering, and we just see the people's response to their sharing, the wondering of those hearing the shepherd's witness accounts. The second one, the heart treasuring and pondering of Mary. The heart treasuring and pondering of Mary. And the last, as the shepherds leave, the glorifying and praising of the returning shepherds to their flock. They glorify and praise God for what they have seen. Now, what I want us not to do, like I did in the beginning when I first approached the scripture, let's not compare and contrast these three series of emotions to one another. Let's not box them in as often we do into extrovert or introvert boxes and personality types. No, there's something deeper here, I believe. There's almost a progression, a progression-like quality, a, a journey of everyone's response to seeing Jesus. And that's in full display in these verses. You see, all of us range through these responses at some time or another or continually. And core to my sharing today and why I'm focusing on, on these three verses and their responses is we constantly need to participate in all of these heart responses in our walk with Jesus. Why? To fully realize and to fully appreciate who He is. So let's go through them slowly. Let's journey and progress through them, shall we? And in doing so, I want you to see them as a whole. 
as a unit containing complementary facets or parts. Let's meditate on them. And I'm going to use an allegory. I want you to see these as a set of paintbrushes. Every good painter has at least, at least three paintbrushes. And that we use these paintbrushes to capture the beautiful portrait of our Jesus, our King, and His arrival. We pick up and we paint with each brush just as we need it. From the first sweeping broad brush to cover large surface areas like backgrounds and sweeping vistas. The second, the finer pointed one for soft and small details. And the brush in between, which we seem to always find in our hands, which does most of the work and we constantly return to. This is the allegory I want us to use in these responses. I want you to picture them as a series of paintbrushes all together, all synonymous, all complementary in doing what? In capturing the beauty and the splendor of Jesus. So, let's pick up the first brush, shall we? Like I said, it's, and all who heard it wondered. All who heard the shepherd's reports and testimony wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Folks, wonder is core to our faith. To quote one of my favorite songs from Bethel Music, may we never lose the wonder. May we never lose our wonder. May we be wide-eyed and mystified. May we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our King. There's something special about a child's wonder. And in Christmas time, parents are seemingly so preoccupied in trying to maintain their wonder on figures and things that, folks, let's be honest, don't really exist. But who does exist? Jesus. Factual. Historic account, not just biblical. Speak of the existence of Christ. May we never lose our wonder. Christmas is a season of wonder. The world seems to have gotten that right. Something special about the season. Why? There's a wondrous conception. That has never happened before. There's a wondrous reversal where unsuspecting few are elevated to be not only first party accounts, first witness accounts, but participants in, in Jesus' story, like Mary, like Zechariah, like Elizabeth, like John, baby John. But the greatest wonder of all, that the all-powerful creator God came in the very form of his beloved creation. I just want silence to, to try and our, our human mind struggle, and that's the point of wonder. We're supposed to wonder. We're supposed to be mystified on how the all-powerful creator who created the heavens and the earth and the universe, which we still know, we don't know the bounds and limits and extents and how it works. He himself, before all things, he came to be in the form of his beloved creation. For what purpose? To save you and me. To save all of humanity. What about the wonder of the angelic visitation? That's normally what kids and adults would be like, wow, can you imagine seeing an angel? And the shepherds did. And we know Zechariah does before in Luke chapter 1, and Mary does before. Imagine the wonder of seeing an angel. The wondrous scenes in their own right. But imagine the wonder these powerful and amazing messengers, because that's who they were, these messengers, imagine the wonder and the wondrous news that they brought. Let's read it again from verse 9 to 14. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's quite a wondrous scene, isn't it? And they were filled with great fear. Folks, why do you think angels, the first phrases to come out their mouth is, fear not, don't be afraid, because when they rock up, it is uncharacteristically wondrous. Something is different. The Lord is a heaven on earth, touches us and changes the physical. He opens our eyes to a world that has always been there. In verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, evangelion of great joy, that will be for all people. It will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel. He is no longer alone. He's behind him or alongside him. There's a chorus. There's a choir. There's a gathering of a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. He is pleased with you, my brother and sister. He is pleased to bring His Savior to us to save us because He loves us so much. That's truly a wondrous scene, isn't it? In the verses that were camped today, the shepherds retell of this visitation. They are so... till When you see something so magnificent, it sticks with you. It stays with you. It sears your conscience. It sears... It puts a stamp in your brain that can never be changed or removed. And they cannot wait but to tell anyone they come across. So when they tell of this visitation and proclamation of the angels, look at the response and look at all of the responses. It says, and all who heard it wondered. Every single person that heard this testimonial account of what they had witnessed, every single one of them experienced it. They all experienced the response of wonder. Truly, this is still our response today in reading these words in this account, in this nativity, when the Lord came to earth. Truly, our response in hearing and learning and seeing Jesus will always first be wonder. It's a wondrous gospel. It's a wondrous king. And we live in his kingdom, which is truly wondrous. May we never lose our wonder. Let's pick up the second brush, the finer, the more intricate one, and often the hardest to use. Anyone who is a painter understands. It's the finer details that are the hardest to capture and to convey on, can- on canvas. But nonetheless, those finer details are of utmost critical importance. It requires stewardship. It requires moments of remembrance and contemplation and reflection to experience its details, depths and riches. This is the second brush. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. For me, as I'm going through the Gospel of Luke up to this point, this is the most fascinating fascinating line for me in the whole passage we're doing today and the account that I'm up to. This line puzzled me and enticed me. And if anybody knows like me, I follow my nose. Like a teasing thread of cotton, I couldn't help but follow it and pull it and see where it led me. 
I researched and meditated. What did this verse convey? What is it trying to say in Mary's response to what the shepherds had told them? I asked myself, why these words? Why did Luke put them there? What is he trying to tell us about Mary and her heart response to this majestic moment? If you carry on reading in chapter 2, you'll see these words are even repeated in verse 51. Remarking on Mary's response, and this time, not such a majestic situation, a very stressful situation. She lost the son for three days when Joseph and Mary forgot a 12-year-old Jesus, home alone style. They didn't know where he was. They're on their way back from the feast of the Passover. They left Jerusalem and to only realize he's not amongst any of our party, our friends, our family. Where is he? We lost the Messiah. It's like we had one job. Later they found him in his biological father's house. His biological father was the king of the universe. In the temple, he was busy. He was busy already, not with carpentry, of his adopted father. He was busy, what he thought was time, amongst his father's business, his biological father's business. And we know he submits, and we can see we are to follow his example of how to submit natural authority as the heavens, as the king of the heavens and the universe submitted to his. Let's read Mary's response in conclusion of this anxious home alone situation. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. And he, being Jesus, went down with them, being Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And here's that phrase again. And his mother, Mary again, treasured up all these things in her heart. She treasured up all these things in her heart. To better grasp the meaning of this phrase and the particular word treasure, what do we like to do? The Bible was written in well, the New Testament was written in Greek, so I'm going to take you back to the language of my father and read you the Greek word for the word that is the root from treasured, treasured up. And the Greek word is direo. And it comes from, that word comes from teros, which means to guard or to be a warden, a protector. It means to keep an eye on, to keep something in view, to hold firmly, to attend carefully, to watch over or to preserve. Dereo speaks of guarding and preserving something which is in one's possession. It's yours to keep. Keep it safe. It means to watch as one would watch some precious thing, something very special to you. It is an idea to observe attentively, to heed, to keep, to watch over and to retain to not let it leave your eyes. To retain in custody. Wow. Mary derailed the shepherds sharing the angelic visitation and proclamation. Confirming what she herself had already experienced when Gabriel, a chapter earlier, visited her and promised her the miraculous conception that her own untouched womb would bear the Son of God. Mary Tereod the night and the events of Jesus' birth. Mary Tereod finding the 12 year old Jesus were already amongst his father's house doing his father's things. And the response that when he spoke to all the teachers there, they were all amazed. They all wondered when they heard this 12 year old Jesus. Folks, Mary kept these moments in view, she held them tightly. 
attended to them carefully, ensuring she meticulously preserved them. Now, I'm getting to know Dr. Luke a bit, and as the, as the gospel opens up, we learn he's very meticulous, he's very methodical, being a doctor, that's a good thing. And in his approach to writing the gospel, he sourced and gathered not only eyewitness accounts, people that saw and felt and touched and lived among Jesus, but written accounts too on all who encountered Jesus. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Luke might be remarking on Mary's vivid memory of this events to suggest that maybe Mary herself is one of these sources. Maybe she is one of these eyewitness or written sources that he looked to to pen his account. Certainly we know in Acts 21, 18, you guys are not there yet, that Luke himself met the brother of Jesus, James. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Mary either left letters or he met her himself. That Luke, not being first party to Jesus, wanted to find out from everyone who did, who encountered him, what did you remember from those moments? And Mary, these moments, she knew, she knew them to the detail. She knew them vividly. That's how we have them in our Bible today. This only further substantiates my point, that Mary made considerable effort to treasure, to tereo, these threshold moments in her shared life with Jesus. Folks, this reminds me of my own biological father. Like Mary, he's a wonderful inspiration for all of us on how to treasure and tereo threshold moments in our shared life with Jesus. He has his original Bible when he came to the Lord. In his original Bible, he has the same writings and recordings of everything the Lord has spoken to him. And every subsequent Bible and every subsequent journal, it is recorded in detail. His dad is not satisfied until it is written, until it is photographed, until there is video evidence of these God-threshold moments in his life and in the life of his family. Why do you think that is? He can speak for himself if he would like, now or later. I also feel I can give an answer to what I've witnessed. Dad goes to such careful lengths to capture and record these wondrous moments so that he can go back and revisit them too. Dad loves to recount, he likes to reflect, and he likes to ponder. Many a sermon, he's turned to those original pages in his Bible. He's turned to the original visions and dreams that the Lord has given him, and he reflects upon them. He says, look what the Lord has done and said in my life. Thanking the Lord for who he is, for all that he has done, and importantly, looking forward to all that he will continually do in his life. This reminds me of Joshua chapter 4. We see this is a deeply Hebrew practice. To tereo, to treasure up. In Joshua chapter 4, we can see the practice of erecting a memorial and an example of what I'm talking to you about. I'll quickly read Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. And Josh, this is them passing the river Jordan like they'd done before in the, passing the Red Sea. And this is what Joshua said to them. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark, go ahead of the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and pick up, take up of you a stone upon his shoulder. It's big. According to the number of the tribes of Israel. That's 12. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time 
to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. As Jad has just said, we don't just record and treasure up and tereo things for us to go back and reflect on, but also for generations to come to see why, to see the evidence, to see the memorial moments, and to show the reasons of what the Lord has done for us. I believe Dad and Mary's act and response of tereoing and treasuring when witnessing an encounter with the Lord is so that they can also continually go back, like I said, and ponder these in their hearts. The word ponder from the Latin comes from the word to weigh, weighed. This is the original meaning of the word weighed. She kept them, she revolved them, she weighed them in her mind, giving each circumstance its just importance. She knew that night was truly wondrous, not only for her, but for all mankind. She gave it its appropriate weight in her life and in her mind, and she preserved it and treasured it. May we continually ponder and weigh the wonder we encounter in the person of Jesus. Today of all days, may we give it its appropriate weight in our minds. Let's pick up the, the third brush. Like I said, it's the brush we, we seemingly find in our hands most often, the one we return to and most frequently use most consistently. And that's the, the third one. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Before we skip to the, to the glorifying and praising, notice the phrase, and the shepherds returned. After moments of wonder, after the weighing, after the remembering, after the digging up of all the treasured and preserved things that we hold dear, folks, we inevitably return to our everyday lives, cares, and responsibilities. Just like the shepherds return to their flock, they return to the sheep that they had a responsibility to care for and provide and to lead and protect. So the same, we have families to return to. We have work. We have church. We have other responsibilities that dominate our daily, everyday life. And we return to them. But let's pause and reflect on how they return. And I want you to see it as just like if we fast forward the gospel accounts when Jesus, adult Jesus of 30 years and above, is encountering people and he touches their lives. And it's mainly the needy. It's those that are down and out those that don't have a plan B, that have no other option, the blind Bartimaeus, the lepers, and I can go on. Note how they return to their lives when their lives are no longer the same, when they see, when they are healed, when they are forgiven. They return too, just like these shepherds, glorifying and praising God. Folks, this is where the depth of our response journey, our progression that I've spoken to you is fully realized. Our wonder and weighing finds a form of external expression, glorifying and praising the King of the universe, thanking Jesus for Jesus. 
celebrating what we have heard and what we have seen and what has been told to us. Many of us are apprehensive in sharing our faith, as I've been most of my life, and truthfully, I still am. I struggle. I'm honest. In sharing my faith is something that is not a natural thing for me. But what I have come to know and realize is that externally glorifying and praising God around people or not naturally follows the wonder and weighing moments. They slipstream them. These are the spark and the kindling that now finds a form into flame. It bursts into flame. As I close, I'm going to put down the brushes, the allegory of the brushes, and I'm going to exchange it for one more. One more metaphor, more contemporary. I'm sure you're all familiar with the reality show Survivor. It's been going on for years. In the reality show Survivor, the contestant's fate often depends on their skill of making fire with flint, husks, and kindling. They need to effectively prime the flint by scraping magnesium first, then strike the flint with the appropriate motion and tension, so that the husks that are beneath it would catch a light. Then gently, as they would pick up something very precious and gentle, they would fan the lit husks, slowly caring for it, slowly adding twigs and sticks, and they would coax it to grow larger and stronger until finally it sets the positioned larger pieces of kindling alight, and the fire now is in full flame and strength. So it is with our heart response to Jesus and his gospel. You see, God's wonder sparks into our lives, setting our husky hearts aflame. We then capture and treasure it and tereo it carefully to attend to it, ensuring that we meticulously preserve its flame as one would a precious thing like Mary has shown us. Ensuring that the flame goes stronger and stronger is radiance. We keep watch over it. And it grows brighter and brighter in our lives as we care for it and we feed it and we allow it to grow. Soon enough, soon enough, if we are consistently terraying these moments and caring for them and giving gentle response to them, soon enough we won't be able to contain its brightness. Soon enough we won't be able to contain His brightness. And we burst out into praise, glorifying God for all we have heard and all we have seen. We can't help but burst into flame if we take the careful moments of guarding that spark of wonder and coaxing it into a kindling flame and feed it, feed it, and treasure it and preserve it. We cannot help but burst into radiant flame of our Lord and Saviour. And then we return. In this bright flame, we return to our everyday life. People will notice something is different. We will be glorifying and praising God. You see, God uses this difference, this point of difference. Something was different from Moses when he returned from his meeting place with God. His countenance, his face shone. And we are told in Scripture that we have a far greater experience of God. It's available to us. It's ready. It's here. It's now. There's no longer a veil. There's no longer a separation of clergy and people. 
We are all royal priests. We are all a holy nation. Us who are on the outside, Gentiles, we are now on the inside. And finally, there's nothing presenting us or preventing us from being able to experience the Shekinah God that Moses did with that burning bush. And when we do, we will look radically different when we go return. We have to return. Moses had to come down the mountain. We have to return to our daily lives to impact the, the world and our families with this radiance. See, this is how God uses to change the world. He uses human hearts. He uses heart-to-heart encounters. He uses one heart that has been sparked and set to flame to set another, to set another, to set another. The kingdom is like a felt fire, and this is how it spreads, through the wind of the Holy Spirit and inspiration as the wind blows over us. It will spark one heart to another that is completely yielded and terraoed to His wonder and His marvelous light. This Christmas, let us marvel at the wonder of Christ. Today, let us dig up. Let us dig up the treasure, the terraoed moments. Let you bring to remembrance of your own personal encounters with God, your own testimonies of your salvation, on how the Lord has saved you and your family, how He has healed you, how He has delivered you, if nothing else but the cross. The most important miracle of all, that we are freed from everything. We are free to encounter Him. We are free not just from fate, but from a life without Him. We are now invited to participate in a shared life with our Savior. Let us remember that night in Bethlehem when He didn't just come for us, but He came for all mankind. The angels were very clear, folks. Jesus came for everyone. Let us meditate. Let us contemplate. Let us weigh. Let us ponder. Let us tereo Jesus' love for us. Let this meditative memorial spark the joy of our salvation as we see the shepherds leaping from the sight. Let it spark a joy of our salvation. Let it bring you to your feet. Let it glorify and praise Jesus for all that we have heard and seen and what has been told to us. So folks, when we come here again, when we return, when we return to 2023, let us return with the same thanksgiving the same joy as the leaping shepherds that night more than 2,000 years ago. Let us return with a sense of weight and glory and wonder and celebration for what Jesus has done for you, for me, and for the entire human race. I pray this Christmas is one of personal wonder, one of pondering, one of praising for you and for your family. May you be blessed and may you have a wonderful Christmas. And remember and hold tightly the treasure that Jesus has given us in his person. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, this day as we set aside a day to remember your arrival, your kingdom arrival on this earth, that you didn't just only gift your son, but you gave your son on the cross for us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we may have a revelation, a growing revelation of the depth of your love for us, that you didn't desire to exist on your own. You desired fellowship with your creation. You desired to tabernacle amongst your creation, 
you desire to walk with your creation in the cool of the day and night. Lord, we pray that we may understand, we may begin to, the journey of understanding, of wondering, the joy that you set us in your kingdom, that you joined us at the table once again, that you seated us alongside you, that we are with you on this journey. We thank you for Jesus. We thank Jesus for Jesus. We thank you not only for what he has done, but for who he is, for his example of love, of generosity, of meekness and kindness, and every fruit of the Spirit at work and full display and full bloom in his nature. We thank you that Jesus' nature is available to us to partake of, to eat as we do in Holy Communion, to drink, that we may become more like him each step of the day, each step of our lives, that we may absorb more of his light as the sun and that we may shine with his brightness through our cracked vessels, with our flaws and our humanity, that you shine through all that, that people may see the wonder of who you are. May we treasure up. May we preserve every moment with you. May we keep and hold it dear and tightly. May it spark. May it catch a flame. May it burn bright in our hearts that we leave every encounter with you, every moment with you, glorifying and praising your name as the shepherds do. We thank you for you, Jesus. We thank you for this day, and we remember it, and we give it its adequate weight, and we ponder on its meaning for us and all mankind. And we pray as we walk out these doors, the church will still unite, the church is still your body, that we together may reflect your face upon this earth, that people may come to know the brightness of your rising, that you are the sun that has risen on a world that is no longer dark, that is no longer gloomy, because you're in it, because you have changed its landscape forever, and we are now united with you together and are spreading your word and your kingdom. Give us the boldness to reflect your glory and light. We thank you for today. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.